Hey, so as we're recording this, it's uh, May 7th, and I'd like to know, how's your Google I.O. going? I think at this point, everybody that listens to the show knows that we record this show way in advance. For, for, I don't even know why we do it anymore, but that's just how we are. Uh, <laughs> just what so today, today's Google I.O., and I wanted to, I was interested in asking you, like, so a Google I.O. keynote, right? That's, this, is, this is the Google version of the Monday morning of WWDC. Like, is that important to them, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I.O. is happening. This keynote is, is where they set out, like, their next year and with Google and beyond, right? They should always show stuff that's not ready. Like, they show stuff that they're working on. They show research projects and stuff like that because that's just, that's just the way that they choose to do things, which I think can result in cool stuff, but it can also result in ridiculous stuff. And... I wondered, uh, do you, one, do you watch these keynotes typically? Two, do you watch them live? Three, do you have literally any excitement about it? (laughs) Uh, Let me see if I can get those straight. So one, do I watch them? Uh, Sometimes I was more apt to do so when I was at my jobby job because the Android developers that I worked very closely with would obviously be totally amped about what was going on for IO. And so typically for... For I.O., we would, you know, get a conference room for a couple hours and and sit there and watch it together as we worked. Um, and so that also answers question two. Did I watch it live? In the past, yeah. Uh, for a couple of years, I did. This year, not likely to watch it live. May watch like a recap or, or you know, watch it after it's aired. Um, it also falls at 1 p.m. my time, which is family nap time. Uh, which I would rather not explore any further if you let me get away with it. But basically, uh, I don't want to Im- impugn family nap time. And actually, I have to pick Declan up from preschool at a, at a 2 o'clock Wait. today. So Now, you see, you know what you've done. Family, do you take a nap? Oh, every day. You nap? Mm-hmm. I never used to until I All right, stopped. let's blow out the document. we got a whole thing to do. <laughs> when did you start napping? When uh, I, I used to do it from time to time on weekends uh, when I was still uh, regularly employed. And then I don't remember the exact moment it happened, but uh, not too long after I stopped doing my regular jobby job and, and started doing this current jobby job, which I think we'll be talking about more later, actually, uh, I... You know, Erin would take a nap because she's a mom and so she's exhausted. Uh, Declan would at least have rest time, as we call it, where he is in a good way sent to his room and told, listen, you can sleep. You don't have to or or not. It doesn't matter. But you do have to be quiet and you do have to stay in your room. And Michaela will nap. And usually this is between. Well, we, we asked Declan to go down for about an hour. And that starts at one and Michaela will go hopefully for around two hours. So from about one to three. And typically what will happen is I'll. Recently, anyway, I will, you know, s- just catch up on what's been going on in the world for about half an hour from like one to one thirty. Then I'll drop for anywhere from literally five minutes to sometimes like half an hour if I'm really tired. And then typically at about two ish, Sharon and I will get up and we'll exercise together. Um, we've been doing these uh, little like workout videos, which sounds super lame and cheesy in eighties, but it's been making a difference, I think. And so anyway, we'll do that at about two-ish. Declan comes down, you know, midway during the exercise uh, extravaganza. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get Michaela up at three. So um, I will take usually between a five and 30-minute nap pretty much every day of the week, uh, which is something I'm extremely lucky to be able to do. And it's also very funny for a few reasons. First of all, um, I never was a napper, ever, 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 ever. Even after Declan, like, it was rare that I took a nap. And even after Michaela as an infant, it was fairly rare. I would take a nap. Um, 
Although maybe it started when I was on my paternity leave. Maybe that's when I picked it up a little bit. But anyways, even in like college, when most people learn how to nap, I never took that class, if you will. You know, I like, can't. I can't nap. It, if I fall asleep in the day, it kills me. I yep. hate it. Yeah, that's the way I used to be for the longest time. So I 100% agree with you. And I wish I had some sort of magic you know, incantation I could give you to get you over that. Because again, I cannot stress enough, I was the exact same way for the first 35-ish years of my life. Um, and then it's just some switch flipped. I don't know what happened. And, and I've gotten to be a pretty decent napper. And the other thing that's funny about it is, I remember just a couple of years ago, um, you know, there would be times, and it was not every day, but there would be times that Marco would say to me, and I think I said this to him privately, I don't think I've said this publicly, but there would be times that Marco would say either on the show or privately or something, oh yeah, sorry, I, I meant to get to that, I just I just had to take a quick nap, or you know, oh man, that nap ran, too, no, he wouldn't say that nap ran too long, but it was some, for some reason or another, Marco would say, basically, I just took a nap. I remember being at my desk, at work seeing this in slack and being like <laughs> you wanted you wanted to live that sweet nap life no out of jealousy. i wanted i wanted to murder him because oh your life is so terrible that you you know, you missed your nap oh. today or something like that so grumpy and fast forward a year or two and now if i don't get my nap i'm very sad so <laughs> funny how things turn around casey aren't they um but anyway, so yeah, it's usually for just a few minutes, usually every day. And I mean, I'm okay if I don't get it. I don't think I turn into a total grump. In fact, we were talking privately before the show, you and I, and I do turn into a total grump if I'm if I eat a meal much later than I'm used to. But I don't usually turn into a total grump if I just miss a nap. Like it's not entirely unusual for me to miss a nap. God, I sound like a five year old. Are you getting old? Oh yeah. Is that what it is? You know, it could be. Um, I, I wish you were snarking, but How I don't think you, you are. But I am 37. So is that right? Yes, I, that's right. You can, you can, you can not there. I know. And right now I'm I'm carrying a relative, well, for me anyway, a fairly full beard. And there's plenty of gray up in the uh, corners of the chin. You know what I'm talking about? Where the gray typically starts for most mm-hmm. men. Also, my temples are getting more and more gray as time goes. Are they? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited to see that. You're going to look <laughs> real good with gray hair. Oh, thanks. You know that, right? That's going to look real good on you, I think. I hope. I hope I keep my hair because my dad's dad was bald from 20. My dad, my mom's dad, his very, very, very thin hair, um, but he still has some. My dad has got a decent amount of hair given his age. Um, mm-hmm. And it's and his hair is still very brown, um, but mine is, is starting to gray more and more with each passing day. Hey, that rhymed. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to keep the beard for dub dubs. I don't want to get your hopes up too much. I'm 50 50 on it. We'll see what happens. Oh, I'm past that. I'm past that now. I don't. I don't hold on to those feelings anymore because I know <laughs> you'll never give me truly what I want. So, what, wait, what do you truly want then? I want it always. Uh, I don't know. I I just I, sometimes I just get sick of it. Plus the the whole idea of like the maintenance of it, like both trimming it and the pull oil thing that I've never really exposed oh, myself yeah. to. Tr- trimming your beard like once every few weeks, that's definitely easier than shaving every day. <laughs> just, I don't shave every day anyway. I haven't for a long time. Right, but like beard trimming is still more infrequent than shaving sure, if you're trying sure, to sure. keep a clean face. But I've never done it, so it scares me. I don't have any of the equipment I need. Um, and the whole you can just get like one of those electric guys. And I probably just, should. It's easy. It's way easier. I know. But either way, I, I also am scared about the whole beard oil thing. And more than anything else, I am scared to be in the presence of Mr. Stephen Hackett, who last I have seen 
on oh, pictures, not in person. He's like his, a yeti. Yeah, his beard is out of control. It's not actually out of control, but it is, in terms of volume, so it, it jealous. Is impre- it's impressive. I'm just so jealous of his ability <laughs> to grow a beard. Oh, my word. It is, it is intense from the pictures I've seen. So I don't yeah. know if he's going to keep it or trim it or what, but it is intense. So anyway, we got really distracted about uh, Google I.O. Uh, I, I figure I'll watch, at the very least, you know, what is it The Verge does, like the 10-minute recap or whatever, and mm-hmm. I'll, pro- I'll certainly watch that. I might watch some of the event. We'll see what happens. But what are you going to do? I'll watch the whole thing. Live? Yeah, I'm excited about it. Like, it's not at the level of, like, WWDC, right? But I'm excited about it. I'm always intrigued to see what they do, especially because they go first. Because over the last mm-hmm. couple of years, I.O. has actually started to set the trends for all of the companies, right? So, like, mm-hmm. last year's I.O. was full of all of the, like, uh, digital well-being stuff, right? Right. And then Apple comes out and does it, like, a month later, because and that's because Google does it in May, and mm-hmm. they're a month before Apple. So if there are trends and stuff like that, you will start to see them there first. Um, and, and I have a passing interest in Android. Like, I always want to know what they're doing. Um, I'm really interested this time to see what they're going to do. They might have some small hardware stuff to announce. Like I enjoy Google IO and I really like to watch their presentation because it's more visually attractive than Apple's, <laughs> you know, it's like outside with sunlight and you know, that they, they have a really interesting staging and it just looks very different um, where whether it's better or not, I don't know, but it's, it's very different where I feel like Apple's presentation style has remained mostly the same. Sure. Right? So, like, I'm very used to it. And Google's is a little bit more kind of, like, flamboyant in a way that I enjoy. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. WWDC is less than a month away. I've forgotten. Do you have a ticket? Yes. Yeah, okay. Hey, you. Uh, well, I paid for it, and so I got it, you know, honestly. Uh, now, as we sit here and record press well, I passes. tried to pay for yeah, it yeah. but they wouldn't mm-hmm. let me <laughs> well that's not that's happened to me too don't worry um as we as we sit here now and record uh press passes haven't gone out for dub dub and i am holding out i will tell only the analog listeners i am holding out hope Why? that i might just because i want i want that acknowledgement it's more you than anything else you already got a ticket stop sure. being greedy well i just want the acknowledgement man and and actually i've thought a lot about this and should i get a press pass which i won't and I, I figure I'm going to talk to the PR person that I will never actually speak to because I'm not getting a pass and say, hey, listen, I've already paid for one. Like, I, I, whether or not, we, I don't even necessarily need my money back because this is kind of the cost of doing business in the world I'm in. But can I, like, give that ticket away to somebody or something? And, you know, is there anything I can do to, like, give somebody else who might want this? All right, let's talk about the potential of the idea that you are getting a pass, which you're probably not going to oh, get. And no, I'm so no. sorry, and it's going to kill you because you did it one time. And now it's like, this is my fear of like getting invited once, mm-hmm. right? And then like, mm-hmm. you know, it never happens again. Uh, yep. You still love the once, but like, exactly. you know, what are you going to do? Um, the, the press passes don't necessarily get you everything that sure. your ticket right. would. So you, right. if you wanted to go to sessions you will probably very much likely still need your ticket. Yeah, exactly right. If you only have a ticket, if the only reason you've bought a ticket is for the keynote, then fine, but otherwise you should keep it. Well, right, and I was kind of glossing over the complexity there, but but yes, my my actual speech to the PR person I will never actually speak to because I'm not getting a press pass was going to be something along the lines of, look, if I'm getting like a regular press ticket, thank you so much, I can't wait, I'll see you in June. If I'm getting like a Gruber style, hey, I can go 
every day. And there are other people other than Gruber that get this level of ticket, but they're very few and far between. If that's the case, then, you know, can I give it away? Blah, 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 blah. If you get a pass, I'm calling dibs on your ticket <laughs> to go to the keynote. That's that's fair. I don't think mm-hmm. that's going to be an issue, but we'll, we'll, we'll work it out because I really genuinely don't think I will. No, I actually, as much as I would want it, I think that we have other friends who it's more important to. Maybe. I don't know. We can argue about it if and when this ever happens. Plus, you know, if I'm not going to go, I don't mind watching in a hotel room with a few people. Like, I like that. It's it's nice. It is fun. And it, it's very different, but it is fun. So so I, I, I'm, a, I'm winning either way, if I'm honest with you. But yeah. But yeah, it's less than a month away, which is intense. It's funny. Um, this trip is going to be uh, a little bit different. And I don't know if I can publicly disclose why. So I'll just say it's going to be a little different for me this year in a good way. Um, and because of that, I've been concentrating on some logistical things that uh, that I haven't really had to worry about before. This is all good. Nothing, no complaints, all good. I'm just not sure if, if I should really be discussing publicly why this is. Well, anyways, so I've been contemplating you know, all the logistical problem uh, problems with all of this. And because of that, I've been more focused on like the act of me doing this trip than I am the excitement of what happens on the trip, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so because there's there's so much like administrivia to get squared away before I depart, that's made it more challenging for me to get excited about the trip because I've got to worry about all this other stuff first. But uh, that's not a complaint. It's not a complaint. I think it sounds like a complaint. It's not at all. It's just, that's many words to say. Stop complaining. I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, It's many words to say. I haven't really allowed myself to get ramped up in like the hype of WWDC because WWDC is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Like bar none, it's like Christmas and you know summer vacation with the family and dub dub are like my three favorite times. I don't of year. disagree with you. Like I'm not going to disagree with you. It's it's exciting because it's like the culmination of all of the stuff that we are personally interested in. But it's also when we all get to spend time together. Exactly, and and that is so much fun. And I'm and I'm always overjoyed to do it. And I'm so lucky that I'm able to. And especially like after last year where we were all together all the time during the summer because of my wedding. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been, I'm jonesing for time with my friends, like in big groups. Like, so I'm excited about it. Exactly right. And this is actually relevant. And you put this in the show notes and I'm glad you did because over the last several days, I've been looking at day one shortly after I wake up. Day one is a really great app that I, that I endorse. I think they've sponsored something I've done in the past, but I love the snot out of this app. Um, it's an app that's ostensibly a journaling journaling app, but you can do all sorts of different stuff with it. And when I travel, I try to take notes of like the things I've done and where I've gone in day one, because I'm not necessarily intent on like spraying all of my whereabouts across Twitter, Instagram. And there are times I do that, but not always. And So over the last few days, I've been looking at day one each day, and I'm reliving your bachelor party in Austin, Texas, and how much unbelievable fun that was. And Mm -hmm. it was, and I know we've talked about this about a year ago now, so I'll try not to rehash it too much, but what was unique about the bachelor party and the wedding as well is that was all our friends that we tend to see once or twice a year, but without all the like complication and obligation around doing work because at the bachelor party we weren't well i wasn't recording anything i think you did one show didn't you or something like that i was kidnapped 
<laughs> exactly. So you did a little bit of work at the wedding. You did no work. And so these were two consecutive, no, they weren't consecutive months, but the two different times in May and in, in July, when we were able to get together, all of us and our friends and, and just goof off and not have to the feel summer bad about of Mike. It. The summer of Mike, the summer of fun, the summer of Mike. And it was, it was incredible. And I, and I have, I've said pretty much since we were all departing the bachelor party, like I really wish we could justify and or find an excuse to do this sort of thing every year. Yeah, unfortunately, most people are married. <laughs> and or with kids. <laughs> right? I think maybe everyone. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a big ask. And especially for like, I was reflecting on it. You know, I, when I went last year, Michaela was what, like four or five months old? And what I mean is that there won't be other bachelor parties. Was, oh, was, oh, was oh I, yeah. That, sorry, that joke went right over my head. Yeah. We'll fix it in post or something like that. But uh, but no, I, I agree. But I mean, I think it would just be cool to do like the, I don't know, let's all go on vacation together or all descend on some city somewhere once a year. And logistics of that are impossible. The the imp, the impetus to do it isn't there, to your point. Um, to do it as as just the guys or just the ladies is difficult because then whoever's left behind has to deal with all the children and, and, and it, it's just complicated. And I was thinking of speaking of children about how I basically ditched Aaron with Declan and a four month old last year, which was more than a little bit selfish of me. And on the one side, I'm glad I did it because it was an incredible amount of fun. And I feel like I got a lot closer with all of you guys, especially, you know, the, the guys I hadn't met before, um, that were, that were in your wedding. But um, it was ex- kind of exceptionally selfish of me, and I'm and I'm looking back on it now. I think I'm even more appreciative of Aaron basically rolling with it and saying, "Go have fun," and you know, I'll see you when you get back. And so, let me publicly thank you, Aaron. Even though you probably won't hear this for a few months because you're behind on analog, but let me publicly thank you for uh, letting me escape for a little while because it was tremendous, tremendous fun. You should just make an overclass clip of that and just text it to her. That's true. <laughs> That's what I should do. <laughs> you're very right. You're very right. All right, today's episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud and get a server up and running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serves their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the world. And they're going to add more in Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada, are both going to have data centers before 2020. Linode's features uh, native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. This means you'll be able to serve your customers faster than ever before. They have the top of the line stuff. And so you don't have to walk stress about overspending. Linode have designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing. They have the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backups and no balances, so you're not going to go over the budget that you set, which is wonderful. And they have great pricing options available to suit everyone. They have plans which start with a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month and they offer high memory plans to start with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And they have a special offer for listeners of this show. You can go to linode.com slash analog, that's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash analog, and use the promo code analog2019, analog2019, and this will get you $20 towards any plan. So if you want to try it out, if you sign up for the one gigabyte of RAM plan, you're going to get four free months of service, which is an incredible time. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. Go to linode.com slash analog and use the promo code analog2019 to learn more, sign up, and take the most of that 20, and make the most of that $20 credit. Take the most of it as well. Make it and take it. Our thanks to <laughs> Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So yesterday, as we were recording this, Mark Gurman published his report about what is expected to be shown off at WWDC. So this was something that 
we were intri- I was very intrigued. Like, were we going to see something like this from Mark Gurman, considering we've had so many rumors uh, from Nine to Five Mac from Guillermo Rambo? I know there are people who listen to this show that don't really know what I'm talking about right now. Um, but you know, WWDC is coming up, right? And so some people have rumors and leaks, and they get they will publish reports of the information that they know. Now, there's one little quote in here which is of particular interest to Casey. So this is from Mark's report. iMessage will get an upgrade of a WhatsApp-like enhancement that lets people set a profile picture and display name and choose who sees it. Now, let me just explain what this is. So WhatsApp is a messaging application. I think that's mostly used in like Europe and Asia. Um, and it looks and acts like Facebook Messenger, iMessage, all of those kinds of things. Um, but like a lot of these types of applications that are actual like third-party apps, you create an account of sorts. Now, with WhatsApp, it just is tied to your phone number, but then you can set your own name and you can set like nicknames and stuff and also add a picture of yourself, like a like you would add an avatar on Twitter or Instagram or something, right? Now, this doesn't exist as it stands right now in like iMessage or text messaging applications because really iMessage just evolved from text message. And in text message, there were no profiles or anything like that that was shared. But what it seems like now is that you will be able to go into, well, it looks like in, in the near future, you'll be able to go into iMessage and upload an image of yourself that everybody else then sees. Yeah. Wouldn't that be convenient? Okay, I want you to tell me why this is a concern for you, and then I'll tell you why I think it's not. Well, so I think it may be a concern for me. So if we recap a little bit, over the last two to three months, I've been working really hard on an app with no real great name. I have a name for it, but I think I might change it, so that's why I'm not naming it. But anyway, um, I've been working on an app, and and the premise is, if you have a person in your contacts list on your iPhone, and if that person has like a Twitter handle associated with it in their contact card, if you will, or if they have a Facebook you know, ID or an Instagram account name or something like that, it will go and look up the profile image from each of these services, whatever I, I can figure out based on your contact. And it will offer to update that contact with one of the images from one of these social media profiles. So the idea is, if you think about your contact list, like say in iMessages, um, you, you might see a bunch of like CLMH, like circles with just letters. And that's because that's what Apple does when they don't have an image for that person. And it's kind of frustrating and annoying. And so this app, once you run it and let it do its thing, would change the MH to a picture of a bespectacled bearded Mike. And it would change, you know, a my picture to a possibly bearded, you know, me and so on and so forth. And so the idea is it it helps you get images for all of these contacts. Well, that's really important today as we sit here, because there's really no good mechanism for someone to declare what their preferred contact image is and force it upon your contacts list. So you can say what you would like your contact image or your avatar to be on Twitter, on on Facebook, on Instagram, and so on. But there's no mechanism really to push that. You know, you can't decide which picture you want to be you, Mike, and then push that into my contact list. So this app is looking to bridge that gap. Well, suddenly, if iMessage already has, or if, if iMessage will have the ability for me to set my own contact image and then push that to your phone... What happens then? Does that automatically get set as your contact image for for your for that contact across your phone? Is it only, is it limited to iMessage? And 
I have That's a fear. the thing, right? I don't reckon that, let's imagine that this feature does actually exist. Mm-hmm. It does not seem likely to me that you setting an image in iMessage would change the contact card I have for you. That seems weird. Maybe. I don't know. Or what if, it, I mean, it could be as simple as it will overwrite the contact card only if it does not have an image. And part of my mm. app, part of my app is to update images because I have, I, I can't think of a particular example offhand, but I have images of people that are several years old. Like take me, for example, I tend to keep a beard more often than not these days, although I go back and forth. And most of my images on most of my social media profiles and so on are me clean shaven. And I don't personally have a problem with that, whatever, but it's not, you know, necessarily the most representative version of the Casey of 2019. And so maybe it's as simple as this, this future iMessage update will only overwrite empty images. And that's fine. And my app still has some modicum of use, maybe. But nevertheless, it takes a lot of the steam out. You know, it's it's kind of pulled the rug out from under me. And and I read this yesterday and it really bummed me out. And I'm still kind of bummed out about it. And I think the reason part of the reason I'm so bummed out about it is up until, you know, just yesterday, I was starting to feel like I was getting pretty close. Like there's work left to be done for sure. But a lot of the big hurdles I think I've come I've come through the you know I've crossed the hurdles and I've come through the other side and and there's not that much left on my to do list that I consider to be showstoppers before I release a 1.0 version. Well, then you've got a month, haven't you? Well, and that's the thing is that um, you know I told Aaron yesterday, look, I, I know I've been working hard on this. I really genuinely can look by, look at myself in the mirror and say I've been working really hard on this. I really have. But I'm going to have to crank that up to 11 over the next couple of weeks because I really need to You've get this You've got to get it out. You've got to get it out. This is what you got to do now. You've got to do it. Yeah. You have three weeks. Yeah, no pressure. Right? Because otherwise you've wasted this time. Potentially, yeah. Right? I mean, there is another option where, like, imagine if it doesn't update the contact cards and you would be able to get the images from iMessage. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it's like, well, that's made the app even better. Because yeah. now you've become a bridge to allow people to to change their contact images. A man can dream. I think you should 100% release this with all of the plans that you had and then go from there. But you've got to get it out before WWDC. <laughs> and that's the problem. And that means I really only have a couple of weeks left to do it. And and so now I'm starting to but make... But it doesn't feel like it's far away. I don't think so either. I think it's pretty close. I haven't told you this yet, but it looks really good now. Well, thank you. Yeah, and that's the thing is I am getting to the point that I'm actually pretty proud of it. Like early on, I was excited but embarrassed, if that makes sense, because it just mm-hmm. looked like it looked like garbage. And I'll be looked the first bad, to tell yeah. you that it, it did not look. But great. it was supposed to. It right. was supposed to at that point. Yeah, and now I'm getting to the point where there's lots of places where I think it needs to be improved. No, no doubt. But I, as a, if I'm judging it as a 1.0, which is what it is, then I'm feeling pretty good about it because a lot of the stuff that I'd like to improve, I don't necessarily consider low hanging fruit anymore. You know, it's not the sort of thing where I can, mm-hmm. you know, wave a magic wand for three seconds and suddenly this thing gets a lot better. It's the sort of thing where it's going to take some time and concentration and refinement and so on. And so those are the sorts of things that I was already planning to save for a 1.1 or 1.2 or what have you. Um, but now it's even more critical that I have an even more, um, I can't think of, of a, an analogy, but I need to be more 
discerning about what I work on and what I just say, screw it, I'll wait for the next version. I'll wait until it's already out. And I don't know, like on the one side, I'm glad because this gives me even more of a push to finish up. Like I already planned to try to have it out by dub dub, but I hadn't, I mean, if it did, if it worked, it worked, if it didn't, it didn't. But now it's like, oh God, I really need to try to get everything I can to get this out the door as quickly as possible. And there is no try in this situation. Yeah, well, that's the you've thing. You've got to just, you've got to do it. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough because there's a lot of stuff I want to do still. And a lot of it, I'm not going to be able to before I release it. And the other thing I got to do is figure out a different name, I think, because even though I like the name I have, which I would rather not disclose, you know, there's trademarks that are in the vicinity of what I'm doing that I think may cause me problems. And so I'm at a loss as to what to call, what to call this thing. I still don't think it's the right name. I've told you this a bunch of yeah, times. Yeah, you have. Well, I don't know. I haven't come up with anything better. And so it's time to get out of the thesaurus. Yeah. And that's how I arrived at the name I have. But don't ask for names. Because then if you pick one, that's the whole thing. Yeah, get, the thesaurus, get the thesaurus out and start plugging away. Yeah, well, the problem, the part of the problem is any word that's, any any word that's not like misspelled deliberately or, you know, like a portmanteau or however you pronounce that, where you're mashing two words together, you know, anything that isn't one of those things has already been used. Like, I can't believe Calzones, which still annoys me how great a name that, that is. I can't believe that, that Dave didn't run into some sort of conflict with Calzones because that is so perfect. And it's a, it's a real word, a regular word. Now, granted, he's using it in a very unusual context, but it's an actual word. And so I'm trying to figure out something, but, but that, to be honest, that, that I can wait on. What I can't wait on is just getting this code finished. So what's the issue you're having with names then? Well, I, I'd like the name I've got, but you know, Marco was talking about this on under on under the radar recently. I think it was under the radar, and you know, he was saying, or maybe it was on Twitter, but he was saying, "Hey, look, you better make sure that whatever you use isn't trademarked by somebody else who can then it come after you, everything. you know, and and then come after you and be like, hey, how about that name? Let's, if you want to continue to use it, you got to pay me.' Yeah, and so I'm not sure, I'm not sure what to do because the name, like I said, the name I'm using as kind of a, I don't know, a code name for now or project name. I like it. I actually do like it, but it's got an, a, a couple of trademarks that I think are uncomfortably close and uncomfortably risky, you know? So, yeah, as I said to you, my issue with the name is that it is a word that is not easy to spell. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. Yeah. And that's fair. So, in any case, so on the one side, it's like highs and lows, right? Because I am starting to feel really good about this. Maybe you should just call it like avatarless. You know, just yeah. really lean into your personal well, branding. And I and thought about make that. Make everyone want to murder you. Well, and I thought about that, but because I have no qualms with that. I I think that that's... I know you don't. Yeah. Everyone else hates it, but I don't care. But the problem yeah. is, is that if you don't know who I am, that seems like it's a completely funny. odd and useless, like, it's something that's clearly trying to be clever, but isn't if you don't know that I'm the one who wrote it and that's my surname, you know? Oh, man. So. You just walked into that one and it's only because I'm I love you that I didn't jump straight on it which was, even if I know you, it's still not funny. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. But anyway, so so yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta get this out the door. Is that, that's you the do have to get it out of the door. You do. And, and it might mean that you end up with a bad name, like a boring name, like a, just a descriptive name. Mm -hmm. um, but you can change, anything can be changed, right? You could change the name, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know you just uh, this is uh, this point considering how much time you've actually spent on this project considering there is a risk here then it 
to me, I mean, there might be people that know more about this stuff than I do that would advise you differently, but I would advise that you you do really push to get it to get it out, to get it finished and get and publish it. Yeah. That's the plan, man. I don't know if I'm gonna achieve it, but that's the plan. So we'll see what happens. But I'm stressed. I'm super stressed. Yeah. I mean, outside of the the in-app purchase stuff, I don't see as a user what you need to yeah, need to do. The, the the big remaining pieces are finalizing the in-app purchase stuff, which is actually, from what I can tell, pretty close. But part of the problem here is I've never dealt with any of this before. Like mm-hmm, at my jobby mm-hmm. job, that was all a free app by design. And so mm-hmm. I've never had to deal with this. And so I'm kind of outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a big issue. The other big issue I have is that I've not tried this on any device other than an iPhone 10 or larger. And so I need to start going through and looking at what this looks like on like an iPhone you know, five or whatever the mo- oldest iPhone is, one of the tiny ones. Yeah. And I think that's going to cause me a world of problems. I wouldn't worry about that too much. It's got to be usable. Like, even if it's not pretty, it's got to at least be usable. And I'm scared it's not even usable. Okay. And this is nothing against, I'm not trying to like throw any hate on small, smaller phone users, but it's purely because Casey's at a crunch time. Um, and like considering who will find out about this application I'm expecting you will have a vast majority of people who have iPhone 10 size phones and above. Yeah, I agree. Right, and, at least yeah. initially, because you'll be talking to listeners of ATP about it. Yeah, and so that's why I think the 1.0 version needs to be operable on a four-inch phone or whatever the crap not, it is. Like, yeah, not optimized. Right, but it may not be pretty or may not be great or mm-hmm. may have things mm-hmm. that are kind of on top of each other, but... And then, and the other thing as another example is I've uh, I've been sprinkling. Shouldn't the simulator show you this though? Like, what mm-hmm. what do I not understand about the simulator? No, no, no. It it will if I run a build against one of these other phone sizes, which I can absolutely do. It's not like it's challenging. It's just I haven't been bothering with it. That's all. Oh, uh, so you're not saying you need a device. You're no, saying you need to actually just test that. I mean, the best way to do it is, of course, on the device. But no, your point is completely fair. That it's not that I'm incapable of doing it. It's just I haven't bothered because I've had bigger fish to fry. This is one of those things, though, where it's like you're worrying about a thing that you can find out the answer to pretty easily. So just find out the answer and then you don't have to worry about it That's And that's fair. And I have, I think I've run it like once and there were some places where I definitely am going to need to clean stuff up or shrink font sizes. But, you know, so as as a couple of examples of line items that I think are going to slip... You know, having nice support for four-inch phones is probably going to slip. I I will at least make sure it works, like I said, but it may not be pretty. Another example is I've been trying to, when possible, really think about accessibility in in a couple of ways. First of all, being responsive to dynamic text sizing. So if you're like my parents and run your phone with font sizes that are comically large for people that have good eyes, then the app will reasonably respond to that and show things at ridiculously large font sizes or small if you have mic size. Um, And I've been trying to be good about that, but I haven't gotten it everywhere. Uh, And that's probably just going to fall by the wayside. Another example is accessibility in the sense of like voiceover. Here and there, I've been including it when I think about it, but I had planned to do like a full-on 
you know, like an uh, appraisal or, or assessment of, you know, and improve all these places where I haven't really thought about voiceover. And that's probably just going to fall by the wayside when I release, which really bums me out because with my YouTube stuff, I'd been getting really good about making sure I had closed captioning there from day one, which I think is useful on, in that context for even able-bodied people. Or I'm sorry if that's not the right terminology, but I hope you take what I'm trying to say there. Anyway, um, the point is, is that I really wanted to have the accessibility stuff locked in on day one, but I don't think it's going to happen. So it is what it is. That's trickier. Yeah. That's trickier. I don't know how I feel about that, but I don't know if well, I, I can't just tell you do it. Yeah, but that's difficult. I mean, it's it's, it's there ish, but it's not mm-hmm. the way it should be by any means. Well, I think you need to just make sure that you have all of the bases covered. Yeah. Right. So, like as you say, it may not be one hundred percent perfect, but it needs to be at a state where it could be usable. Yeah. So yeah, there's, a, there's I mean, uh, there, I both feel like there's not that much work to be done and an in, in infinite amount of work left to be done. And the moral of the story is... I really hope is, you're not working on any car videos. No, no, no. I have put all that aside. I mean, the Tesla video that I recorded in November is probably 95% complete. I have to do a couple of voiceovers and very little else. And, and the, well, actually in the closed captioning, but the Tesla video is on the brink and I just, I put it aside once I got hot and heavy on this thing. And so... Mm-hmm. I got to, if and when this ever ships, and if I don't have a million bugs to fix immediately, which I probably will, whenever this thing settles down, I'll be going back to finishing the Tesla video, and then I recorded one other that I need to get out. Um, but yeah, that's, that is stopped. It is stopped dead. I really hope that you can do it. Me too. Stressful times. Kind of, kind of pleased that Mark Gurman's lit a fire on you. Yeah, I mean, I was already working pretty hard, but now it is, it is a definite fire. I know you were, but I'm just keen to see what you can do with something with like a pressure like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, even if it does, even let's, let's suppose everything goes happy path and I release and it's out and it's not a total miserable failure. What happens then when I'm sitting in the keynote and they say, Hey, guess what? You can put your images on, onto your contact list and it's going to be great. And then I, then I have to deal with everyone laughing at me for having been Sherlocked within five minutes of releasing my app. And I'm not looking forward to that either. Hmm. Okay. It doesn't mean I shouldn't release it. Like, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm just saying this this could be a very unfortunate WWDC for me, depending on how it goes. Yes, it definitely, definitely could be. But it could be good too, though. You never know. Yeah. It might be something of use to you in there, or it might not be what you think it is, and or it might not even be a problem, or it may actually uh, bring about a need. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, uh, social ridicule notwithstanding, it's been very useful and productive for me to do this for a plethora of different reasons. Number one, it's prevented me from atrophying. Number two, I think I've actually built some muscles in the process of doing this. Um, and number three, let's suppose that I get just brutally Sherlocked immediately to the point that there's no redeeming quality to this app whatsoever. At least I have something to show for the time that I spent on my spirit walk of unemployment. You know what I mean? Like if I decide to apply to a place tomorrow and I, and, and they say, what have you been doing for the last you know year? Which by the way, it's been almost a year now because it was dub dub. Um, anyway, so I can say to them, well, look, you know, I briefly released this app or I have mm-hmm. this complete app sitting here ready to rock. It's just, it turned out that it got Sherlocked or what have you. And then at least then at least I have something to show for this time that makes me more marketable to a potential employer should I need to go back to that route. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not for naught. 
But man, I am, I like, I think I've said to you on this very program, I'm still a little sore about how Fast Text was treated during the run of ATP when Fast Text was still around. And I am still a little bit sore about that. And I am not at all looking forward to what the aftermath of this may be. This app is better for what it is than Fast Text is for what that was. Yeah, and I appreciate because that. Because Fast Text was like, it was something that was that you cared about, but like as an idea was not a particularly robust or mm-hmm. clever idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this idea is a clever idea. You've had a good idea, let alone the fact that it's an application that actually does what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But it's also you fa- you identified a need that I didn't. And again, it's like one of those things. Like when you hear about it, you're like, oh, I want that. Fast right. text wasn't that way because <laughs> there were other things that did it. And, you know, the system could do it. Effect- well, what we cast as the system can do it now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then it was like workflow or whatever. You know, there, there were many ways to do it. And like fast text was a feature for other applications. Sure. Right? But this app is its own thing that you conceived of and made. Mm-hmm. It's very different. Yeah, I hope so. So I, I wouldn't worry in the same way. I don't know. I, I, I hope you're right. Plus, it's more professional looking <laughs> in <laughs> every sense of the word. <laughs> and is. that was one of the things then which was, which was funny about fast text. Sorry. No, it's true. It was baby's, it was absolutely baby's first iPhone app, yeah. which I mean, through and through, and that's okay. But, um, I, I'm, I'm still a little sore about how that was treated. Not to say it wasn't like completely fair criticism. The icon was garbage. The app wasn't much better. Like all the <laughs> criticism was fair, but after having heard it incessantly. It doesn't matter if your feelings are hurt. It doesn't matter how true or not it was, right? Like, that's just how feelings are. Exactly. And so yeah. because of that, I am petrified of what even if this truth be told even if i don't get sherlocked in any way shape or form i'm still petrified to release this because i have i have set a bar for myself knowingly or not that is way higher than i want it to be you know what i mean i think in this instance with the way that you have done things you have given this app to enough friends that would have told you beforehand if what you were doing was Silly. I hope so. Yeah. Or embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I would have. Oh, I know you would have right? for sure. So, you know, I, I I wouldn't worry about that so much here. Yeah. I hope not. Because all of the things that I that I have seen in your application that I thought were embarrassing, I've told you about them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, don't do this. <laughs> right? <laughs> that I think kind I of fixed stuff. It all, I hope. I think you fixed it all too, because I was playing around with it today. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think I want you to release this and I and I think you should. Honestly, so here's here's what I would love you to think about. If you do get Sherlocked, release it anyway to make it free. That's an interesting point. Don't just don't have made this and sit on it forever because there's still June to September that people could use it. Right. So just release it and make it free. Like, yes, you won't make any money on it but you would at least have have something to show for what you've done. Yeah, that's a fair point. Or make it like a dollar instead Mm -hmm. of however much money you want to charge Mm -hmm. or like whatever the lowest. I don't know if a dollar is the lowest amount anymore. You know, just just for the sake of doing it, Mm -hmm. don't don't have done this and then throw it away. Yeah, that's actually a really good point that I hadn't thought about. I dig that. So, 
There you go. But get it out first and charge the full <laughs> amount you're going to charge, and then we don't have to worry about it. It's true. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. While you've been listening to this wonderful episode of Analog, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't click the Buy Now button or read your most recent blog post? You might stumble across this issue by luck. Maybe somebody tweets you or emails you, but you don't want that. That's no system. That's not a system. You need something that's there to tell you that everything's running smoothly on your website, and maybe more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment that your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. And it's super smart because they'll get the information that you need to solve the issue sent to whoever it is that needs to deal with it, whether that's one person or your entire team. Pingdom are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. They use more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. All Pingdom needs is your URL and they'll take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last to know about something on your site breaking. Start monitoring your website today with Pingdom by going to pingdom.com slash RelayFM. You can sign up for a 14-day free trial there with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code analog at checkout to get an amazing 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14 day free trial and the code analog at checkout for 30% of your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So real-time follow-up from uh, dear friend of the show, underscore David Smith. Uh, other than a minor issue with the onboarding screen, the app runs fine on an SE-sized device. So that stress has now been reduced. So thank you, underscore. It was funny to me when uh, at what point underscore appeared in the chat room today. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yes. Yeah. A wild mm. underscore appeared, right? As we were talking uh-huh. about Sherlocking, so. uh-huh. he just he just popped up. His his alarm went off somewhere. <laughs> Do you know how Dave listens to this show? Typically, I don't actually. I really, honestly, don't. He is one of the type of person that has something somehow somewhere that records the live stream oh yes yes i did know that uh, sorry yeah. i thought you meant that there was I, because i knew he did that for atp i did not know if, yeah. if that was true for analog as well so he does because he sent me messages about things <laughs> that were not in the show <laughs> <laughs> so he's one of those people i'm sure there are more people out there more power to you as long as you keep that for your own personal use i'm perfectly fine with it yep no this this is why we love underscore all right, so mm-hmm. speaking of things I'm conflicted about, um, I'd like to tell you a very, very brief story and and unfairly ask your opinion about something. So uh, something that we've talked about, you and I have talked about uh, on and off over the last few months is how I feel about posting pictures of, well, it's especially pictures, but I guess also prose and other things, but posting stuff, particularly pictures about my kids. And mm-hmm. as we record, Declan is four and a half, and Michaela is approaching one and a half. And the approach I've taken to this point is that I would put Declan in pictures constantly up until around the time he turned four. And based on no science, based on really nothing at all, it was when he turned four that I felt like, you know what? He is a real honest-to-goodness person in every sense of the word. Granted, he's a very little person, but he's a person. And I don't know if it's really appropriate for me to decide when to put his image on the internet to live forever. And I think, to my eyes, and I'm not asking anyone to agree, but to my eyes, at four is about the time when it's no longer like, oh, look at that little baby slash toddler or whatever. 
who is doing something silly because they don't know any better to no, 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 this is a child. This is an honest to goodness child who has agency over his own body and his own decisions and so on and so forth. And so if I posted like, let's say just for the sake of discussion, like I posted a picture of him having made a mess of himself at the dinner table, like at a year and a half with Michaela, that's just adorable because that's what kids do at a year and a half. That's not necessarily what kids do at four. And so is this no longer cute and just embarrassing for him? You know what I mean? And so at around his four-year birthday, uh, I stopped for the most part putting pictures of him on the internet. I'm sure you could find one or two I posted here or there, but there have been many, many, many times that I've wanted to post something and didn't. And this all became particularly um, relevant over Easter because we took a picture, the four of us, uh, in it was just all of us dressed up reasonably nicely. And we were in front of like some trees or something like that. And we took a picture of the four of us. And I thought it was a really lovely picture of my little family. And I really, really wanted to put that picture on the internet because I'm very proud of my little family and I'm excited. And I thought we looked nice. And I, and I was just, I just wanted to share it. And I didn't. And the reason was, is because I had Declan in it. And I don't think even if I asked him his permission to post it, he would really truly understand what he was agreeing to. And so I just sat on it and that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's still a lovely picture. Even if the world doesn't see it, I still cherish that picture. Even if the world doesn't see it, but you know, it bummed me out a little bit that I couldn't share it. And so I thought to myself, well, you know what? I'll just share it, but I'll just like put an emoji over Declan's face. But then I was like, well, but then why didn't I put the emoji over Michaela's face? Like, is that weird? And I, that's never mind. I just won't post it at all. And so I don't know where I'm, I don't know where the question is here. But I just, I wanted to kind of talk out with you, like, it's, it's kind of weird wanting to be able to share parts of my life, but not wanting to impugn on Declan's at the same time. So what do I do? Uh, well, okay. One thing is to watch an amazing video that Joanna Stern made uh, a while ago um, for an article called Why I Put My Dog's Photo on Social Media, But Not My Son's. Um, and she talks about like a lot of the potential implications of doing this kind of stuff. One of them, which is, I don't know how I feel about this one particularly, but it is there, which is just like, well, you're putting it into systems that could be learning the face, right? Like it's doing facial mm. recognition mm -hmm. for all you mm. know. It's a little bit conspiracy theory-y to me. Um, it, so I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I'm not saying it's not true, but I don't know if I can live my life effectively thinking stuff like that. Yeah. Um but she talks a lot about like there are situations where you may post a photo that you think is cute, but how will they feel when they're like fifteen and it's there? Because once you put something on the internet, it's there forever. Especially mm -hmm. if if you you know, you have an audience of people. Personally, I think this is a really difficult thing. Um Big, you know, I, I honestly, I feel like as long as you are being conscientious, it should be okay. So, like, posting a picture of you all dressed up in front of some trees, that's not the worst thing in the world to do. <laughs> and, like, you know, if you could look at that picture and be like, that is a picture that I would put on the wall in my home, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a good idea, maybe a good way to think about it, right? Like, imagine when you were a kid and you would 
bring a potential romantic interest to your home, right? Mm-hmm. Think about like what are the images you would have been okay about having on the wall for yeah. them to see. Yeah. And if it doesn't pass that test, maybe don't post it. Yeah, I like that. That's a good way of looking at it. Because that's the only analog that we have from being kids, mm-hmm. right? Of like these images being in places where people would see them. And that's what it is now where like, you know, like if if you're like, I don't know, 14 years old and you're interested in someone, you could go on their parents' Instagram and just see a bunch of pictures of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, which is a thing that you could do. Uh, so th- maybe think about like, well, what is going to be on there? And that's kind of the approach that if if that is ever a thing, you know, if this is a thing that I have to think about in the future with, with potential children, that I would want to try and take this approach to it. And I have a, a lot of friends, including you, that I think do a really good job of posting just tasteful images, right? Like not embarrassing things. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's one of them. And another one that like, like, you know, like jo- Joanna's, Joanna's article and video, it does in points take a stance of like, you should never post anything, but she also like gives some good pointers of like, if you're gonna maybe think about this and this and this, and it's like, you know, maybe you want to show something your kid's doing. Don't put their face in that one. Mm-hmm. Like shoot the picture from behind them. Right. And it's like, okay, like, so it's like having some kind of like measured response to some of it. But I know that like I will want to post photos of a ch- of my child. So I-, I think that it's about having a measured, a kind of a measured response. And the reason that I want to do it is because I'll be so excited and happy that I will want to share it with the world in the same way that I posted wedding photos. But like, so here's the thing, right? Like with the wedding photos, we, I, we were very, very careful about well, I mean I spoke about it on the show right like that we didn't want to publish publicly that was like a big thing mm-hmm. for us right like we wanted to have complete control over how the our wedding images were shared we you know we we wrote it into the contract of our photographer that all, all images had to be approved by us to be put anywhere that wasn't our own place right mm-hmm. for this this is it's for these types of things it's like to protect other people's privacy but like so but when we were looking at the images that we did want to share we were very particular about the ones that we shared because it's who's going to be in these and and how do we feel about it and i think applying that similar kind of like thinking to sharing images of your children might be good like maybe you don't share everything anymore and you know like and be more it's interesting to me that this came up to you from a nice photo (laughs) why do you say that like it just is interesting to me that it was that one that pushed you over the edge, and I can't think of like, oh, I can't believe Casey posted this kind of images. But like, I'm sure you've posted stuff that is a little bit more embarrassing mm-hmm. for a for a human being, sure. right? Like the idea of like, oh, they're covered in chocolate pudding or right, like right. jam or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, it, it was an image, a nice family photo was the one that pushed you over the edge to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't publish this. Well, yeah, and that's a really good point. And I think the reason that 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 was the case is because I have resigned myself or embraced or what have you, but one way or another, I have really become pretty comfortable with not sharing pictures of Declan as a default. But because I liked this particular image so darn much, I wanted to share it. and then. I thought to myself, well, but no, you're not sharing pictures of Declan anymore. You got to let this one go. 
And and it that's where the conflict came from is because instead of the default being, oh, I'm going to share this. No, I probably mm, shouldn't. Okay. Now the default is I can't share that. Oh, but I but really want to. But this was the first to. time that you were conflicted like right. that. And, yeah. and what I ended up doing for the record was I put it on my Instagram stories, but for close friends only. And yeah. so, so I was able to get a little bit of a halfway because obviously my close friends on Instagram are people who are, hey, guess what? Pretty darn good friends. And so. Well, but let me ask you about that though, right? Mm-hmm. So in that instance, what was the reason, what was the benefit you got out of publishing in close friends that you like, what is the benefit? Because I was able to get that like dopamine hit of sharing it in. No, in, I mean like, what were you avoiding? I was avoiding putting it on the internet at large. And yes, of course, all the tinfoil people are saying, well, it's going to be stuck in Facebook forever. And maybe you're well, right. This is it, right? Like that, that's, that's part of it. Like if, if one of the reasons that you're doing it is for like to protect privacy, well then, well, I mean, honestly, it's really difficult, but really you should never do anything. I right. mean, I don't yeah, even yeah. know how far, cause like I'm going down the levels, right? Where I was going to say, oh, maybe you shouldn't publish it on Facebook servers at all. But then I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't allow it to be uploaded to Google Photos. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you shouldn't allow it to be uploaded to iCloud Photo Library. Maybe you shouldn't use an internet-connected device to take the... Like, that's how far down you go down that list, which is why, as I said earlier, like I try not to think about that stuff because I feel like there's nothing... There is nothing you can do anymore. Yeah. Right? You can't do anything anymore. If you use smartphones, you, you, you have to make some trade-offs. Exactly. And and that was what I kind of came down to was, hey, I'm, I am sharing this to some degree, but at least I'm doing it with a group of people that I can trust not to like screenshot this and play. Not that it was an interesting photo all told, but you know what I mean? Like you're not going to screenshot this and plaster it across the internet just to be you a jerk. You don't know what I get up to. <laughs> well, you, you get my point. And, and, and so, yeah, so my current thinking is I'm going to basically do the same with Michaela and I will continue to post pictures of her because I, I think she's adorable until around the time she's three or maybe four. And then at that point, I will probably do exactly the sorts of things that you've talked about, like only the stuff that they're doing or only pictures from behind them. So you're not seeing their faces or so on. And that's just what I think is right for me. Now, to be clear, that's just me. Like Aaron has posted pictures of Declan recently and that's her call. That's up to her. Um, I, I, I know plenty of people who post pictures of their children from age zero to age 18 and over. That's totally fine. I'm just saying this is what I feel, that I don't want Declan to become of age and look at me and say, why is my entire life on the Internet? You know, I, I, I Casey, didn't have my entire life on the Internet, and I think I, Casey, am better for it. And so I don't want Declan or Michaela later to look at me and be like, what the crap, Dad? Like, why is my entire life here for the taking? Like, that's not fair to me. But, 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 but. So here's the, the counterpoint to this is, but maybe it doesn't matter because this is what it's going to be like for that generation. That's true. You may end up in a situation where Declan's like, well, this is not that he would be annoyed about it, but would be like, hang on a second. <laughs> where are all my photos? Yeah, yeah. that thought that thought has absolutely crossed my mind too. And the, I guess the way I'm looking at it is I'm wagering that it will be less annoying to him mm-hmm. that there are few photos than mm-hmm. that there aren't a ton of photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may be right, but like, you know, there is that thinking of like, all right, so I get the counterpoints, right? Like I get them all as to why you wouldn't do this. 
but every generation grows up in the in like within the parameters that are set by the yeah. generation before it. Mm-hmm. So like we can sit here and be like, oh, you shouldn't do that. But that generation, that's what they're going to have. Like, yeah, everyone. totally. So, then what? Like, I'm not, <laughs> it's not me then trying to say if it's right or wrong, but it's like, but, but if that's just the way the world is, because people that don't have like 10,000 followers on Instagram, you're not going to think about this. Right. Right? You're not, if, if your Instagram has 25, 50 followers on it, or your Facebook is a better example, right? Because Facebook is like a closed thing. But if you, all your images are, you just, you know, you have like 100 Facebook friends or whatever, and you're just sharing images on Facebook, it's like, well, it's only going to be seen by those people. So why would you even, who's, who's thinking about this? Nobody's thinking about this. Yeah. But then those images are available in some way and somehow on the internet. Yeah, it's just like a weird thing. It's like a weird thing. This, yeah. But this is the age we're in. Yeah, very very much so. And so I don't know if I'm making the right choices. I don't know if Aaron's making the right choices. I don't know if all of our friends that are taking opposite routes of this are making the right choices. I really don't know. Like, that's not me being passive aggressive. I really honestly don't know. But what I've concluded, at least for now, is that I think I'm going to err on the side of what I consider to be caution. And I'm going to try very hard to be extremely, well, I'm always deliberate, but extremely deliberate about when I put my children's faces on the internet once they cross the three, maybe four-year-old threshold. And that's just the way I'm going to do it. And again, Aaron may make different choices. Uh, you may make different choices. Uh, you know, underscores we were talking about earlier may make different choices and that's up to each of us individually. But my hope is, is that the choices I make at the very least don't put Declan in a bad spot. You know, he isn't annoyed that his life isn't on the internet like you'd brought up a minute ago. And at best, they put him in a good spot that, you know, unlike all of his friends who have tons of like ammunition for the, for their friends to make fun of them on the internet, Declan is kind of an enigma after year four. And, and I would, I, that's my best case scenario is that he considers that an unbelievable compliment or, or an unbelievably good deed that, that I did for him not putting his stuff all over the internet before he really had any agency over it. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Away, who makes smart premium suitcases so your luggage doesn't need to cost more than your plane ticket. If you're anything like me and you're traveling, you need more battery. Both sizes of Away's carry-on feature USB ports of a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. You can go right now to awaytravel.com slash analog and browse away suitcases that feature premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. Away have over 10 colors and five sizes of case for you to choose from. They have two carry-ons. They have two suitcases, medium and large, and they also have a kid's carry-on as well. Away cut out the middleman so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. They have a patent-pending compression system built into their cases, which is great if you're an overpacker. Four 360-degree spinner wheels, which makes your cases super easy to maneuver. All of their carry-ons are compliant with major U.S. airlines, so you can maximize the amount that you can pack while still getting them into the overhead. And they have TS combination locks built in so if you get TSA checked they won't bust your suitcase open um, they are they also feature a removable washable laundry bag which is one of my personal favorite features of my away suitcases so it has a little bag which is like tucked into the zip compartment and you take it out of the zip compartment when you get to the place and it's, it's got like a little snap which is holding it in place as well 
and you put your dirty clothes in there, you zip it up, put it in the case when you're done, and then when you get home, just dump that straight in the hamper. It's simple, but I really like it. I never had a bag that had anything like that before, and I think it's awesome. I mean, it's great to have a battery, right? Batteries are great, but I also really love that feature too because I get great use out of it. Um, Way believe in the quality of their products. They offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they will fix or replace it for the life of the product. And they also have a 100-day trial and no questions asked return policy. So you can try it out for 100 days. And if it's not right for you, you can travel with it. You should travel with it. And if it's not right for you, you can get send it back to them and get a refund. We have uh, They also have uh, free shipping on any order in the lower 48 states of the US, but they ship to many places around the world too. Go to awaytravel.com slash analog. And if you use the code analog at checkout, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That is awaytravel.com slash analog. And the code analog for $20. $20 off our thanks to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. We have some hashtag Relay Your Feels questions. Thank you to everybody that sent some in after last week. Please continue to send in your Relay Your Feels questions. Just to tweet them. Hashtag Relay Your Feels. I've got some. Uh, I've got a lot from uh, Relay Your Feels hoarder, Brad, who remember we had like a whole episode <laughs> yes. recently where like Brad has sent in a bunch. We will be doing that again in the not too distant future because Brad sent me a huge list again which i'm very thankful for so we'll, we'll be doing those in the future but our first one comes from christian christian wants to know J- uh, casey what was your first halloween costume you almost called me jason didn't you that's I a didn't compliment you got yeah it's you a compliment. got it it's a compliment i'm it's so okay. used to this with jason i mean <laughs> I know. you know you've got to remember all of this originates from upgrade <laughs> I know. it's fine I, I consider that a, a very large compliment jc jc there you go my first halloween costume was one that my maternal grandmother so my mom's mom made for me uh, i am the eldest grandkid on both sides of the family and th- she made me a uh clown costume which looks like it's straight out of the early 80s Ugh. because it was and clowns yeah, I know. I know it's a little bit of a trigger for Mike. I'm sorry, but it's a blue clown costume and it's the most innocent looking clown you can imagine. And that's the worst kind of <laughs> And to the best of my knowledge, literally every grandchild of hers has worn that as their first Halloween costume, including now great grandchildren because Declan wore it once. Um, in fact, I think I need to get it from my uh, brother because he his son wore it last year, I believe, and now it'll be Michaela's turn this year. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was my first Halloween costume. And Halloween has become a thing in Britain, but only in the last like ten ish years, right? Or am I? I don't wrong? know. It's been around since I was a kid, but oh, okay. we never did trick or treat or anything. Ah, um, gotcha. Okay. I don't really know why. I don't know what the answer is for why we didn't. My friends did, but we never did. But um, I, I remember. The the earliest I can remember and the earliest I have photographic proof of was a um a kind of Halloweeny party thing at Sunday school and there was like a uh competition for the best costume and I came in second place dressed as a wizard. Oh nice. It was a good wizard costume. That's awesome. And do you have a photograph of this or no? I do at my nan's house. I oh, don't okay. actually have it. If I had this image, I would give put it in the show notes. Maybe mm-hmm. I can uh, provide that as follow-up because I'm going to need to get the image. Right, right, right. Right? I need to take a photo of this picture. Yep, yep, yep. That's kind of the situation that we're in with that. Um, and I don't I don't have easy access to that. Mm-hmm. But I, I will provide this as follow-up on a later date. Yeah, I will try to get a copy of me in the clown costume because i'm in, i'm picturing the i'm envisioning the picture that in my head but i don't know that i have a, an electronic copy of it but my mm-hmm. parents probably either have a physical copy or, or an electronic copy that they can send me yep 
Andy says, do you like to listen to other podcasts about a recent event before recording to get more perspective, or do you prefer not to be influenced by others' points of view before getting your own out? Depends on the event. For day-to-day stuff, are you really going to make me say this in front of him, Andy? (sighs) For day-to-day stuff, I really try to make sure I always listen to Upgrade prior to recording ATP. Oh, yeah, you do. You gotta get those. You gotta get all the knowledge in your brain first, mm-hmm. and then you then you'll be nicely set set up. I will say, me and Jason are very happy with the fact that we are first in the week for a bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them is because everybody references us later, yep. which is very good for upgrade. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And as much as I'm I'm snarking about giving you this compliment, I actually really do mean it. Um, I. I do try very hard, and I don't always succeed, but I try very hard to listen upgrade before we record ATP. And that's usually because either Marco or me will reference something that one of you guys has said at some point during ATP. It makes me happy every time you both do that, by the way. I want you to know still, every time one of you will mention that something something on upgrade it still makes me very happy so i appreciate it well of course and you guys do an unbelievably great program and and because of that i I try to listen to it generally speaking there are times like the wwdc episode for example now we record that on an upgrade schedule actually we record that on monday evenings but uh, i should say the 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 post keynote episode of atp is done the monday of the keynote that's the only time we really do that and when mm-hmm. when that episode happens not only do i not have the time to listen to anything else cuz i'm just going 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 all day long but beyond that i rather go into it completely blind because i yes. think that there's some amount of advantage to just giving the raw like feedback that you come up with right off the cuff based on almost no facts and only what little you've seen go by that far so far that day. I don't have a hard and fast rule about this. I kind of make it up depending on the thing. So there are a lot of times where I don't want to listen to other people's opinions because then I can't clearly have my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not able to clearly form my own opinion. And so when I used to interview people a lot, I would never consume interviews around the time that I was going to interview them if they mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. you know, because there would be stuff where like for a while where like people would guest on shows or whatever, I wouldn't listen to any of the other shows that someone might be going on. So it's like, you know, like I remember there were times where like Marco, when Marco released Overcast for the first time, I believe I interviewed him about it, right? And he was like doing stuff, lots of other, lots of press stuff. And I wasn't reading any of it except for like pure reviews of the app. I didn't want to see what people were asking him mm-hmm. or what he, how he was answering them, right? So then I would be able to just ask what I wanted and let the conversation form that way. So for interview stuff, um, especially if it was about a specific thing, I would try not to consume too much so I could have a, what I felt was a more natural conversation. But there will be times where like there is a thing that maybe I don't fully understand and being able to hear like you three talk about it or being able to hear like Federico and John Voorhees talk about it is like that is useful to me as a way to to contextualize something that's happening especially if it is of a complexity level that I struggle with yeah yeah so it it differs I actually don't have a hard and fast rule about this one yeah generally speaking I agree it's not a hard and fast rule for the most part with the exception of try to try to listen upgrade if you can Uh, but it varies from time to time yeah so in auto space it's great it's great handle (laughs) what are your favorite Apple watch bands 
Ah, uh, that's a good one. Um, my, I don't know what the actual term for this, but the gray that came with the series three, I think there's, it's not gray. It's some like, that's not space gray either, but if there's some name Arctic gray or something like that. I don't right, know. Right. But like, what is that? A sport it's, loop? it's a sport. I think loop that's or more what they're asking. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I, I almost always wear the sport band. I always wanted the link bracelet, but was too cheap to buy one. I bought a very cheap knockoff Milanese, which I like, but have mostly stopped wearing. Um, a listener was kind enough to find one of the first edition pride bands, um, Apple pride bands and send it to me. Uh, this That's was the before they sold them, right? Yeah, this was before. They, and I, th- I think that this was one that they maybe never sold or they only sold briefly. I don't remember. I might have my details wrong, but basically it's like a rainbow and it's, uh, like a nylon rainbow. They sold them both. There was one that was just a rainbow and then there was one that was white with rainbow stripes on it. And they, okay. they did them both for employees first and then sold them later. I have the retail rainbow one, the first one. And I think that's what I have too. It's just that I missed the window. And so I I think I lamented on analog if if memory serves. Oh, I missed the window. I really wish I had gotten one, blah, blah, blah. And a listener was kind enough to send one to me, um, which I still wear that one from time to time. I actually just looked at it the other day and realized I hadn't worn it in a while. I really love that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, that's basically all I've got. I do swap the color of my sport band from time to time. I only have a couple of them. Um, but like when I go to UVA football games, I'll wear, uh, I'll, I bought knockoff, uh, sport loops or whatever they're called on Amazon. So they're really kind of crummy quality, but I got one blue and one orange because that's the school colors for UVA. And I'll take, I'll, I'll do half of the blue and half of the orange. So the band ends up being blue and orange. Does that make sense? So like the class Mm -hmm. part is blue and the other part is orange or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and I'll do that from time to time. Now you don't really wear an Apple watch because you're a loser. Uh, what do you, what do you, do you have any preferences with like old man watch bands? It's interesting that you call me a loser. I actually, I have preferences <laughs> in Apple Watch time. bands. I, I so my favorites are the Sport Loops because mm-hmm. they are because it used to be I liked I always liked the Sport Band because they came in lots of colors. Um, but then when they brought out the Nylon Band, which was the one where they actually didn't sell these anymore, it was like it was nylon, like a NATO strap with a with a clasp, right? Like a like a, I don't remember what you call it, but you, like a traditional watch clasp. And uh, they don't sell those anymore, but I like those more than the Sport Band. Then they brought out the Sport Loop, and the Sport Loop for me was the best of both worlds because it is infinitely adjustable, and it also was made of like a nice a nice nylon material, which had lots of interesting colors and was super comfortable. So that is my favorite type of watch band is the is the sport loop. And I have a few that I like. They still sell my favorite one, I think, which is the black one, because the black one has a bunch of like rainbow color inside. It's very peculiar and I like it. Um so that's that. When it comes to actual watch bands, I don't have a particular uh I don't have like a a particular favorite. I mean, I have a few different watch bands on my few different watches. And uh, I've been, I borrowed a um, watch from a friend, which has a link bracelet on it. And I've now decided I want a watch of a link bracelet at some point in my future, because I've never worn a watch like that. And it's very specific for certain times. Like I wouldn't want to wear that every day, but I like it, right? Like it's, it is a good thing to have in the arsenal, but that was one of the reasons that he lent it to me because he wanted to see if that was something that would be of interest to me, that type of watch. So, but like I have, I have three of my own watches now. 
Uh, two have a leather strap. One has like a leather strap that's covered in like a nylon material. And then I also have a extra like rubber strap for a watch that I just purchased, which I love very much, which I'm not, I have no problem sharing this watch. So buy a UK brand called Thera. Um, and it's one of their uh, chronograph watches and it's called the Pendine. Uh, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It is absolutely beautiful and I love it. So I'm very happy with that. 